Hello, and welcome to a uh, what's going to be a very odd episode of Cartel Aristocrats. Uh, as always, we are brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, your number one source for Magic the Gathering needs. Uh, you can have a buy list bonus of 25% if you sell stuff to them, so you should do that. Uh, I don't usually do the introductions, so if it's not correct, I apologize, because it's not, because I know I definitely forgot stuff, but... We're working with what we got right now. So uh, I'm joined by my co-hosts, or kind of joined by my co-hosts. Uh, Ed, how's it going? Good, good. I think I fixed my internet. I think it should be better, hopefully. Awesome. Uh, Ed's in Australia right now, You know, joining us from down under. Uh, Jeremy, how is your internet holding up? Good day, mate. That didn't answer my question. Why would you say that? <laughs> uh, we'll see. We're playing it by ear. I have uh, been unsuccessfully trying to get to Australia for the last two days, and now I'm going to Baltimore, which is also going to be very hard to get to. I'm currently at a friend's house by the airport because the roads are destroyed, and it's negative uh, 20. Oh, that's it? That's That doesn't sound so bad. I, uh, I saw people throwing, like, boiling water outside of their house and instantly freezing into, like, an ice, ice sculpture. So uh, it's not that, that that cold in Florida. It's, like, 55, but um, there's definitely people with winter jackets and hats out today. It is, like, 85 here, probably going to be, like, 92 later today. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like for you going from winter to summer, like, in the same week. That would just blow my mind i went from like winter to like hawaii to los angeles to new york and then i'm in australia now this it's, it's pretty wild yeah uh make sure you take care of yourself don't get sick because whenever the weather changes really quickly i feel like everyone always gets sick so i have to uh, imagine you're uh, what's up everybody was sick in jersey i think ed can confirm that we had a lot of people stop by to say hi in Jersey, and it was really fun. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that you both survived. I'm not sure that uh, Ed is like capable of dealing with an entire weekend of Jeremy without killing him or or killing himself or Jeremy. So I'm glad that you both survived that encounter. I was nothing but a gentleman to him all weekend. I don't believe you. It's just I just can't believe that happened. I mean, Jeremy. I finally gave Jeremy his art. I only had to sit there and unfold Jeremy's money for like twenty minutes when he just handed me like a giant wad of money. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, Jeremy picked up his art that I've been holding on to for like six months now. Yep, it was a good weekend. All right then. Any, so uh, Ed. What happened at the Grand Prix? Uh, it was the release weekend for uh, Ravnica Allegiance. So it's it's always fun to see how uh, what the buy list look like the first weekend. A lot of vendors generally don't have Ravnica Allegiance cards in stock, mainly because it's so hard to actually get the product in and you have to be able to crack it, sort it, price it, and actually make it available for people. Um, 
which a lot of vendors just don't do. That's just that's just like far too time consuming, especially if Thursday is your travel day. Uh, I know some people do get it before, like some people are lucky enough to get it on Wednesday or something. Uh, when I was with Kerwin's, we used to get it on Wednesday, and that made it a little bit easier. But for the stores that don't get it until Thursday, it's definitely a bit much. Uh, so, like, supply on Ravnica Legion's cards was pretty low. But that's obviously alleviated a bit because it's not standard this first weekend. It's not... I could imagine being at the Star City, for example, and and trying to hunt down standard cards day one. Um, granted, it's not till Saturday, so there's an extra, like, buffer day in there. That makes that could make it a little bit easier, but if did Ed cut out, or is it just me? I'm about ninety percent sure it is classic Ed going on here. All right. Well, uh, hopefully Ed comes back to us soon from the great. Uh, Outback. I don't know. I, I don't. Out. I don't really know a whole lot about Australia. I'm, I'm not going to try to make jokes like Jeremy does. Yeah. Well, don't talk about kangaroos down there. They get hopping mad. Did 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 my internet just die or something? Like, oh, your internet I, was was unbelievably dead. It was so dead that I thought also mine went out and Jeremy's. I was just like, oh, the silence. It's so deafening. Uh, huh, awkward. Okay. So you said that the the supply was pretty low, and that it, there was probably a lot at the Star City Open. I I said it's it's unlike a Star City Open where because it's standard, they a lot of vendors are forced to have this like have Ravnica Legion's cards in stock on day one and available for people who are wanting to buy, you know, whatever whatever the new cards they are that they might need for their deck. Gotcha. Now, did you see any trends like as far as like what vendors are paying on certain cards? I know Hydroid Crassus is all the talk of the town these days. It's, I think, the most expensive card in the set. Um, and being a sealed Grand Prix, I'm sure that there were a lot of people there willing to buy them. Um, is there anything that you saw this weekend that might be useful to our viewers? Nope, nothing about Hydroid Crassus at all. I got nothing. All right. I, I know you're full of something, and it's not the truth. He gleefully posted that he bought as many copies as possible. Gleefully. He put it on the MTG Finance Central page. I don't know if he put it on Twitter. He definitely I, I, put it on Facebook. I posted the buy list. How many copies I bought is unknown. Sure. The card has real demand behind it, even though we all know it will continue to trend down in the long term. While there's a scarcity of them for the first couple of months, it is definitely possible to make some money on it. I think we can all agree on that. Well, it's definitely a card that I didn't think was going to be as expensive as it was. I feel like we should have learned by now that draw X cards, or even if it's, if it's half X cards, is like always the kind of thing you have to like be careful of. Sphinx's Revelation definitely wasn't like a card that was pre-ordering for a ton of money. Uh, I think X spells in general, we just like write off too quickly as being bad, even though this one appears to be quite good. Uh, I think Simic cards, especially, I also have a problem like evaluating properly because I either think that they're amazing and they're also, uh, and they, they turn out to be hot garbage, or I think they are hot garbage and they are hot garbage. 
like they're never good and and i think they're good I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than that it's just like they always seem underwhelming in text form and then you play with them and you're like oh it turns out six mana for a four four that gains you two life and draws you two cards is pretty good It, it, like it's definitely one of those cards where if you just look at it, I think, and you just try and think about the card in a vacuum, it it like it really really doesn't look that good. But because the nature of standard um, has just evolved into being such of like you just have a lot of like mid range uh, mid range slug outs games don't end very quickly. Like yes, we have the red decks, we have you know some very aggressive strategies now that we have the full ten guilds. And red base decks have a lot of support, whether you want it to be, you know, mono red, red black, red green, red white, uh, etc. Um, the fact that uh, the Crassus both gains you life and gives you cards, one one of those two halves will always be good. And the fact that it's it comes out as a giant body, again, is more or less what pushes over the top. It's one of those cards that. Again, if you just think about it objectively, it doesn't seem that good in the same way that Sphinx's Revelation. If you play Sphinx's Revelation for uh, for four or five mana, you're drawing one card, gaining one life, or you know, two cards, gain two life, etc. It doesn't seem that impressive, but because it uh, Crassus has the same issue where the first one, it doesn't need to be big. You don't need to win the game with the first one, but the first one is doing enough work that the second or third one is probably going to be enough to put you over the edge. Um and it's and it's it's really hard to think about that objectively when you're just scrolling through a spoiler and trying to think of oh if I pre-order this card now this card might go up X percentage in the future it's really really hard to just think about it and look at it and obviously like none of, like this wasn't on the radar at all it wasn't until we started seeing uh, these five O decks pop up with uh, like with the Nexus of Fate to Fairy Shells et cetera et cetera these like mid range control variants that start doing well with them and then people start to catch on that oh this was this actually is a good card. People just have to see an action before people pull the trigger on it. Yep, I agree. Hype is also a very real thing. Um, with what we saw from some of the Revnica Legion stuff that spiked before the set even dropped. Um, sometimes you can take advantage of hype or like a cool finish on Reddit um, to take advantage of artificial price uh, trends. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I know going into SCG Baltimore this weekend, as Ed was sort of hinting at, uh, a lot of the standard cards are going to be hard to get. Uh, so you can definitely ask a premium for pretty much everything. And there's a lot of uh, of our listeners and just people in, in on Twitter in general that are saying, "Hey, I need this card. I'm I'm willing to pay above Star City or whatever because I know that they'll have it, even though Star City generally has um, these cards." I would like to point out that it is illegal, or not illegal, but they will kick you out of the event if you solicit to meet up outside of an SEG event to buy or sell cards. But with that disclaimer out of the way, I know that there's people that will be making money this weekend on the hype of some stuff. Right, right. Yeah, so I definitely think that if you're not in any rush, uh, there's time for the cards to settle. You know, the, the release weekend is always the most expensive time to purchase cards. 
and they will always go down from here. Uh, so if you are in a position where you feel like you need to purchase, you know, these hydrid crisis, for example, to finish your deck, um, just wait a little bit. You save yourself a bunch of money, uh, especially if you play stuff like Commander, where you don't need it right away. Uh, if you play Standard, maybe if it's like, there's a lot of equity lost while you're not playing with it, then maybe you should, you know, open your wallet and get it. But I think that it's it's pretty safe to say that none of these cards are going to be particularly expensive after you know a month from now probably so uh is there anything else you guys want to talk about any trends you noticed this weekend like a lot of people are really excited about standard but i haven't seen that much modern coverage lately especially with how you can't play uh you can't play modern arena so i have to play modern this weekend at baltimore which is the worst punishment possible for my team uh, Why do you have to do this? Because we have a very accomplished legacy player, and I am not playing standard. So I got slotted into modern. And the one deck that Caleb Durward is streaming is um, the new um, Matt, uh, Prime Speaker, uh, the new Birthing Pride variant. And he played three or four different uh, variants of this deck last night. And it had some insanely explosive starts with the new Gruel enchantment that gives stuff haste. Um, you can have like five or six permanents out on turn two or three uh, with this deck. And you can go off as early as uh, turn four, I believe, uh, with Scrib Ranger to stop them from interacting with your combo. Um, so there's a lot of local customers that are going to Star City Baltimore that have been looking for Prime Speaker, Vanifar combo pieces. Um, a card I think may go up is Breaching Hippocamp. It's the blue version of Restoration Angel. Um, the foil version may see a increase because it's so important in this deck. With the proliferation of Surgical Extraction to kill the Restoration Angel combo uh, that this deck also plays, they're playing it as a one-of to get around Surgical Extraction uh, on the combo. So just something to keep in mind. So for anyone at home that's not familiar with what Breaching Hippocamp is, calling it a Restoration Angel is, uh, is very generous. It's a 4-mana 3-2 that untaps a guy you control. So uh, it's Theros common. It's, like The regular copies are not going to be worth anything. They're still not worth anything. If you have foils, I, I maybe, like, maybe like hold on to them, but I... I as deep. I think we're going to see a price correction on the foil. Disclaimer, I own zero, but I think it's one of those things that people are going to buy into the hype about. So this is something, if you see it in a bulk box at your LGS, you may be able to buy list it for a whopping dollar in a month. I'm not sure that's worth my time. I think someone had mentioned that uh, Woodland Bellower uh, is increasing in price because it's one of the pieces of the combo. I think that's where the combo tops out at. It's $7 now. The boat's already sailed. Yeah. when that was previously more or less a bulk mythic. So, um... Yeah, but those are that I think is more likely you could find in like a bulk binder of like bulk mythics at an LGS that's probably still a dollar or something. This is not like a mover like it's not like something that's like shaking everyone and they're like oh man did you hear how much woodland bellower is like 
I don't think this is going to be common knowledge that it's $7 now, so you still might be able to find those for a dollar in a binder somewhere. But uh, that's that's interesting to know. Um, is there any other things you want to talk about? Any? I, I I honestly haven't been keeping up that much, so I don't know what's going on in the finance world. Uh, just touching on Ravnica Allegiance uh, really briefly before we move on to uh, our question of the week. Um, I just looking at the way the prices are trending for the set. I'm very much inclined to say that uh, Ravnica Allegiance has very, very similar price trends to Magic 2019. Uh, it's, it's very symptomatic in the sense that uh, we have a few cards that are that it feels like they're big winners. Um, Hydroid Crassus is uh, is analogous to I think like I want to say like Crucible of Worlds was like the big like the few big obvious cards. Nicol Bolas was definitely up there as well. But beyond that, we have a, like a bunch of rares that are relatively cheap. Uh, most of the mythics are exciting, but they don't really have a home. We have a lot of legendary creatures. Uh, we have like two new, three new sweet planeswalkers um, that don't really have a place yet. Uh, and similar to 2019, I expect a lot of these cards to trend downwards in price, uh, with a few that will just kind of, that will more or less like buoy the price and keep it from being completely worthless that's that that always has to be a case um core 19 rapidly became open up uh like nicobolas or like one of the um like a johnny i was like a little expensive on uh around the release time crucible and scapeshift hadn't really bottomed out yet um but you're basically trying to open these few big cards to keep the ev of your box relatively high Otherwise, you're looking at a pretty miserable box. Uh, Ravnica Allegiance kind of looks to be this way. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of cards just need a proper home. So maybe at some point in the distant future, these cards will start to trend upwards. Um, but for now, I think if people can afford to wait, I think a lot of these cards definitely will get cheaper in the coming months until supply starts to dry up on them and price and the and the price will rebound. Ed, what are your thoughts on Ultimate Masters toppers going back down in price, along with a lot of the mid-range cards? Because this is a trend I've been noticing lately when it comes to cards like Reanimate or Entomb that are EDH and Legacy staples. Um, we also saw this weekend at Jersey, just to change the subject a bit, that uh, a lot of box toppers were being aggressively priced or falling on TCG player. Do you think that's just because people have already spent the rest of their paycheck that they got? and they're waiting for their next one? Or is this an overall trend um, that you expect to be reversed shortly? Uh, I think, as I remember looking at your comments, uh, this is not really a segue, but uh, you had posted on Twitter about how buy lists on a lot of cards have started to trend downwards. Um, yeah. What, you can disagree what, too, because I'm not perfect. Uh, I, I actually agree here. You definitely see uh weaker buy lists as it were um uh, compared to what we saw late in the summer beginning of fall um it was definitely a much more bullish market back then people i think were looking to purchase more cards there was uh cards were just generally more expensive back then i think now we definitely do see a downward trend because 
I think I think there's multiple reasons. I think people may have just like spent too much on UMA. Um, I think I mentioned in a previous cast that for UMA specifically, the thing about box toppers is that unless you're opening the exact box topper that you want, which is, you know, statistically it's not likely to happen. Even if you're an EDH player that has a bunch of different decks, you're looking at maybe like a 25% chance like to open the box topper you want. That's assuming that you actually want 10 out of 40 box toppers. If you're a modern or legacy player, you're probably looking at playing just the most competitive ones or the ones that slot into your deck. So you're basically looking at opening up Lilian Vale, Snapcaster Mage, Cavern Souls, Ancient Tomb, etc. Um, and I think that basically results in a bunch of people just flooding the market with their box toppers because it'll help them recuperate part of their box. Um, they would have bought the box anyways. The fact that the box hopper, if they open it, means that they get a anywhere from like a $15, 20 discount on the crappier box hoppers like Kitchen Finks, uh, Lava Club Reaches during Wildwoods, Galactique, etc. Um, all the way up to potentially, you know, with Gillian on Veil, you're looking at more than 50% of your box price refunded if you sell it back. That just means that there's just so many more of them entering the market uh, compared to how many people are actually trying to buy them up. Um, and I, I think that's probably, in the case of box offers specifically, that's why we see them trend downwards quickly because I imagine most stores probably still accumulate box hoppers much faster than they can sell them. And I think that's probably why we see the price on them just more or less stable or like trending downwards slightly. Yo, can you guys hear me? Yes. Hello, Doug. How's it going? It's good. I just got back from my errands, so I brought in the magic cards and scurried on upstairs. Well, I'm glad that you beat it on for the cast, because uh, Jeremy's phone might die soon, so we might be losing him in a little bit. And That's good. Uh, I, I know, I know. I'd, I'd much rather replace... I'm currently trying to get this guy's stream like like i said i'm at a trap house right now i'm not at home but this guy streams i'm not gonna plug his twitch channel but i'm seeing if i can log on to this before my phone dies okay good luck uh so i just, I just I goodbye, Jeremy. yeah i just realized that i have no webcam because my wife stole it to use for her stream last night so that's cool you're uh you're talking rose it's fine So That's all I am on Twitter too. Yeah, basically. So since you're a little behind, uh, what are your thoughts on Ravnica Allegiance? How how has this set sold well for you? Um, what cards are you most interested in? What what are your general impressions of the set? I mean, it's fine. I'm I'm more detached from set releases than most people, I think, because I I don't really open new boxes. Uh, to sort and sell products uh, at the moment. I am uh, not affiliated with a particular LGS uh, in my area, so I don't like deal with a lot of the standard buying and selling or all that stuff. Um, there's actually a few cards in the set that I care about from my personal EDH decks, but those aren't relevant. Um, if I had to pick two cards in the set that I think will be very, very good long-term, those are Taysa Karlov and Smothering Tithes. I think that Smothering Tides follows a similar pattern to like 
Helm of the Host or uh, Pen Harmonicon, where it, it slowly goes down to like the twos and the threes, and then it's just a very fast mover where like vendor wise, we buy them at one, sell them for three uh, constantly online. It's just a very, very high velocity card. And then once it rotates out of standard, you see like the Panharmonicon trend where it goes to four or five. Um, I've heard arguments that it is worse than Panharmonicon value wise and ubiquity wise, just because artifacts obviously are more universally played in commander than white cards. But I think this is just one of the best. It it's not a blue cyclonic rift, or it's not a white cyclonic rift, but it is up there in terms of uh, the percentage of decks that I think will want this card that play that color. So uh, yeah, those are the two cards I like the most. Tesa Karlov is also just like a very very um, powerful long term casual card, I think. But in terms of like standard specs and all that stuff, I'm not really into that end of things. I mean, I like Light Up the Stage. I like picking Skewer the Critics and uh, Blue Rat Colony out of bulk. Um, yeah. Persistent Petitioners for people that don't know what he's talking about. It's Blue Rat Colony, man. I I, I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, but it has a card, man. It does. Alright, um, my phone is about to die. I will hopefully be able to log on, but if not, I will see you guys next week. I'm okay. still trying to figure out a streaming setup. All right, don't hurt yourself. Bye. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm more detached from. I think the majority of the player base when it comes to set releases. Uh, GP New Jersey was great. There were a lot of people there. Um, don't believe all of the horror stories and magic is dying coverage. Blah blah. blah. Like GP New Jersey was great, regardless of the fact that there was no coverage. Um. Yeah. Okay, well, those are those are all great insights. Uh, I guess while Jeremy is figuring out uh, his uh, casting situation, we can move into our question of the week. And since I know how much Doug loves to argue with people on Twitter, this is definitely right up his alley. Uh, you so, can't see me, but I'm rubbing my hands in anticipation. You heard the pro- you probably heard the clap, but uh, I am. Let's, let's go. Who am I fighting? Uh, you're not fighting anyone in particular, but it's more of a question about how you fight just people in general. Oh wait, so, this is an actual question about me. <laughs> no, not not like not you uh, specifically, but like uh, I'll just read the question. So right. our credit winner this week is Tom Mahas. He he says when talking about MTG finance at the shop, I get the air quotes. MTG finance is what's wrong with magic type comments. People seem to equate that. Yeah, sorry, people seem to equate being involved in the finance of the hobby as being shady. I'm not as involved in the finance scene as much as much as all of you, but how do you respond to these types of comments? I just mentioned that I pick a couple playsets for a spec, and then all of a sudden people are attacking me for manipulating the market. Thanks, I appreciate the content. Uh, uh, so, Doug, how do you how do you answer these questions? This is a great question. Um, so. I don't want to just jump right in and just throw an answer out there, but this is a very good question. So I think a lot of that visceral emotional reaction just comes from different expectations on what people want out of the game. Um, I think there are a lot, there's a large group of people who uh, view any sort of stock market play or any sort of um, playing a game with magic that isn't magic if that makes sense 
because buying and selling cards and doing all that, like guessing on specs, um, all of those, there's just a different way to play the game, right? It's you're still using magic cards, but you're just playing a different game with a different rule set. And I think that there's a very large group of people who just want magic to be what they understand magic to be. And if there is a slight possibility that your way of playing that game negatively impacts their gaming experience, then there's just sort of that othering and that um, combative emotional reaction of like, get your game out of my game. Um, you're doing this this way, and because you're doing this the way you do it, um, there's this emotional attack, uh, feel of being attacked of like, the perception that you don't have empathy for that person. So they're they're playing the game the right way, air quotes, um, and they're just, they want to only buy cards when they want to play with them. Um, buying cards to resell them later is this sort of ethical boundary that you've crossed. And uh, there's this just concept of like, what you're doing um, is, is done in a way that just doesn't really care about their emotional feelings or their... Uh, their perception of how they play the game. I think that's a very uh, generalized, but very good way to explain that um, as a whole. Does anybody else have thoughts or comments before I continue? Um, I think I'd summarize it as basically like the, I think a lot of people overestimate how much yes. you, you can, how much you can do with the amount of money that you have. Like, yes. I think that the thought that something is good is far more destructive than someone like if the general consensus is a card is good and people are willing to pay for it. That's far more destructive than uh, someone going and buying a couple of play sets of a card off of, you know, eBay or whatever, or, yes. or TCG player. Like you buying a hundred copies of a card in standard is probably not going to move the needle at all. No, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, Especially once you, get involved in the actual the quote again air quotes the actual finance part of the game um and just seeing cards move between markets and all that like the average player it is basically impossible for the average player to move the needle on any particular card unless they have some sort of absurdly non-magic related bankroll or if they have some sort of platform that they can use to elevate their opinion of the card and reach other people and influence their thoughts and opinions on the card like what jim said like uh brian kibler is a really good example of this uh back during innistrad release in original Innistrad release where he wrote an article on star city games saying that he really loved daybreak ranger i think that's the name of the card um about how this card was going to do great things in standard. It was the best answer to Delver. It just tapped, killed Delvers, flipped, transformed, killed creatures, did the whole thing you needed to do. Um, it was going to take over the format. And this was a card that everyone else just read, wrote off as a bulk rare during pre, uh, spoiler season. And then suddenly the card is pre-selling for $4. Everybody gets hyped. Everybody jumps in on it. And it doesn't do anything. And Delver still does really well. It's just too slow. There's a whole bunch of issues with the card. Werewolves as a general are not great outside of Hotmaster, which wasn't even out yet. Um, and the card just fell on its face. And I think even articles like those, like if some pro player or if a YouTube content creator, even if somebody hypes up some card to some unrealistic degree, the market itself will take care of that. Um, Daybreak Ranger went back down to 25 cents. Nobody bought it. Nobody cared. Some people lost money because they bought into some sort of hype. But overall, um, nobody was negatively impacted outside of those that 
themselves uh, had that fear of missing out and bought into the card. Um, I think patience and uh, I guess just generally trying to understand the basics and the 101 aspects of finance will go much farther for you in terms of uh, helping you to not get gotten if that's a good way to put it it'll they'll help you not uh get your pants pulled down or bu buy into hype when it's unrealistic expectations yeah i agree with all the things you said there ed is there anything you want to add to the answer to this question it's a really good question i like this question a lot uh without going too deep into this and creating like a completely different tangent i feel like this is very analogous to uh the political climate we're in right now and people who think that they have that people people who are out there saying billionaire like it is immoral to be a billionaire uh i and think this, this is this is a hornet's nest that you are just I, fucking gonna punt right now oh my god i i, I realize what this is going down i'm just Rest, that rip your so rip everything about you man like this i'm so, I, it's good knowing you buddy yeah, I, I realize what I'm doing here. I'm I, there. There's an inferno on the other side. As, as soon as I turn off the stream, I I do not think it is immoral to be a billionaire. But I do believe that people that the extraordinarily wealthy do not pay their fair share of taxes. That being said, I have an issue with people with people just going out there in arms and just not using their full set of information and just basically running with pitchforks and that's more or less what this question is encouraging um i similarly i don't have a problem with people doing mtg finance as you know our uh, our winner is suggesting yeah um if you if you like doug said if you rationally think about what any one individual is doing buying 12 copies of a standard card buying 120 copies of a standard card you're you're just not doing anything compared yeah. to, to compared to the volume of you know what happens as single gp right we and, have vendors yeah. we have vendors you know like you know you're with 95 i'm with tales of venture we do like 25 30 gps over the course of the year um and even in that scale any one store probably has such a trivial effect on the market itself yeah. If you go, if you actually go online and look on TG Player and you type in a random Ravnica Allegiance card, just type in like God the Shrine right now. Just take a look at how many sellers on TG Player have this card available, and then you can search by uh, four or more. That's an option yep. if you're trying to buy them in large quantities. Look how many stores have 30, thousand, 40, yeah, thousand, right? 30, yeah. right? And there's just there's just like hundreds of listings, and these are stores that are out there. You know, and once you expand and think that there are stores internationally, there are people and there are probably stores that don't operate on TC at all. Realistically, like any what any one person is doing short of, you know, operating on, you know, a gigantic budget or doing, you know, very, very high level things. Um, yeah, you're, you're really not moving the market, right? Like it's it's much more apparent with like the reserve list. The supply yeah. is much lower. I was, yeah, I was going to add on to that. Um. I think that's the biggest uh I, I don't know what the word is like conf conflation is that is that a word 
like com- combining of like you're getting pulled in with these other people who do different things than you is what i'm trying to say but like when you see certain content creators or certain faces in the community whether they're uh, famous or infamous when they're saying like hey you should buy hundreds and hundreds of copies of this reserve list card and then you see them do it um and then they say i'm doing mtg finance and then you get looped in with that person um i mean there's a there's many 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 different ethical like uh boundaries you can push with magic and you can decide your own like where your own ethical boundaries you can say like buying 10 of a standard card is wrong and immoral and that's super bad and obviously that's a pretty one that most of us would disagree with and then there's the other side of the spectrum where you can uh just say like there are no ethical boundaries buying six thousand black lotuses if you have the the trust fund bankroll to do so that's perfectly fine um it's it's there's no ethical flaws in buying out all these urza's cards and then hyping the price up it's just the free market at work there's no there's no legal repercussions of this so it's fine like those are two ends of a very very long spectrum and you can find yourself at any point on that spectrum um and falling at different points on that spectrum is where these arguments and discussions come up like some people are further leaning on one than you are and then these arguments and discussions come up but i mean there's there's just so many different thoughts and opinions on this of where that emotional attachment falls i guess i think i think like you know there like like you said there's very like extremes of spectrum right we have people like you know us like we certainly have a larger platform uh, right you know you via brainstorm brewery uh me doing cartel aristocrats you know same with jeremy etc uh we certainly have a larger platform it's it's you would be very very naive to think that you know you or i what we say what we write what you write about etc doesn't have some sort of you know influence positive or negative on how cards operate in this market but there's a much more bigger like you're not looking at the people like you know i'm not i'm not gonna start i'm not gonna name a certain youtuber or you know when we when the whole uh reserve list thing started going out a few years ago it started with craig berry um he he basically came out publicly and said that i just went out and bought every copy of Mo on the market yep. right and yep. now and now two and a half years later you know english moats are they've trended upwards even with their slightly downward trend over the past few months you know we're gone like absolutely gone are the days where you can buy an english moat for like three hundred dollars right that's just not that's just not even in the realm of possible oh, right. Um, right and, and there's also though, like there's people getting mad about there were people getting mad about that subject who just sort of funneled in on a specific aspect of that buyout they're like you can no longer find english near mint moats for three hundred dollars yeah, but you can find a played Italian one for just that price now. And if you were, if your original goal was to play that card, then this buyout has not affected you. So there was some of that too, in terms of like, oh, Tabernacles three grand, the world's ending, Legacy Lands is doubled in price over two days. But what's an HP Italian Tabernacle? Oh, and were you going to buy one anyway? No. Okay, then this doesn't really impact you, does it? Right, like if you were specifically a lands player who was a tabernacle short of finishing their deck when this happened, I feel for you, right? Like it's unfortunate timing, right? But the information is on the table. We knew tabernacle is reserveless. It's it's one of those cards that's always been popular for literally two years straight at every Grand Prix. Vendors just had, you know, tabernacle on, on the buy list, $1,000 or $900 for a near-mint copy. And then all it took was for a vendor to start pushing it up and realizing that, you know this card isn't this card is in relatively high demand 
Legacy Lands is a very, very competitive deck. Um, less so now, obviously, uh, yeah. with the changes. But like it, it like if you got punished by it at that exact time, I feel sorry for you. I'm much less sympathetic towards you know some of the people that our readers suggest or our listeners implying that if they're complaining about something that didn't affect them anyways. If you weren't in the market for a tabernacle. Does it suck that like Tabernacle is expensive? Sure. Does it probably negatively influence your legacy community? Yes. Does it necessarily affect you directly and how you operate in the market? Absolutely not. Yep. There's and I mean we've just sort of gone down this rabbit hole of like reserve list in general, but um like the reserve list spikes are not permanent. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people realize just because of the way the 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 trend just goes up, down, up, down, up, down, but it edges up a little bit more each time like people were ready to burn wizards and like riot because underground sea was seven eight hundred dollars or something for a near mint copy buy list it's it's like half that now like yeah, that reserve list cards go down too they do not just like go up then plateau then go up then plateau like there are cycles to this and there is value in you even if you do not want to buy 400 copies of lyra or even if you don't want to buy a ton of masterpieces even if you're not trying to open up your own store or like try to make this your part-time job even if that is not your end goal um there is value in just keeping your finger on the pulse of this market because the secondary market even if you do not want to play that game um like it, it will impact you and whether or not you choose to participate in it, it to your own benefit or detriment is up to you. So I'll, I think I'll bring this home by saying basically if people are mad that, that they think that MTG finance is what causes card prices to go up, they are just uninformed and it's difficult to educate people on the reasons why things happen because stuff like, because there's People, that emotional attachment to it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just that, and just like it's it's difficult to show show the relationships between things without having enough evidence to to make a clear point. Like it's it's more likely that let's say like a popular streamer streams a deck that nobody's played before and it does okay, and then the cards in that deck go up. Like yes. it's the whole reason why. Um, budget decks are not budget decks if they're good. <laughs> that's that's just like the 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 nature of the beast of budget decks. And like, I know Saffron Olive does this a lot, where he like tries to play a deck that's worth you know under a certain number of tickets or whatever. And then if the deck's good, it gets more expensive, and people are like, "Oh man, MTG Finance bought out of the car." No, these are just players that want to play the deck that used to be cheap. But now that is the people think it's good, it's longer cheap, and that's just the nature of the beast. And knowing ahead of time before something gets expensive, or like knowing what the trends are, what things are more likely to get expensive. Like you know, if you do the math and you were like, oh, all these checklands from Dominaria are not expensive; they're not going up because their their guilds are not out yet. And we know because of how Ravnica sets work, the other five guilds are in the second set. If you didn't buy Hinterland Harbor or Isolated Chapel or any of the other ones that match the guilds that are in that set, you're just doing yourself a disservice if they get more expensive. That's not, but you're not causing them, you buying them early doesn't cause them to get more expensive. People playing them in their decks and buying them from their stores is what makes them expensive. And 
that a lot of people just don't plan ahead of time. And that's like part of the, of the MTG finance stuff that we try to explain. So if, if you're, if your LGS, you know, people are like being jerks about it and they don't want to listen to your explanation, then I don't know what to tell you about that. But the best way that I try to explain it to people is like, whether or not I decide anything should be more expensive, but it, it, it won't, it won't affect the outcome. Like if I could affect the outcome of how much cards, cards cost, I would just buy infinite copies of them beforehand and then tell you that they're going to go up and then sell them. But I don't do that because it doesn't work. Yep. But uh, a- I think that was a very involved question. Uh, thank you, Tom, for your question. You can send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. If you would like to win next week, you can leave a question on coolstuffinc.com when our page goes up, uh, hopefully on Thursday, January 31st. Sorry, Doug, did you want to say something? No, I was just going to say that I shared a comic in the chat, and it's it's really awkward to describe comics over voice and just explain to somebody, like, oh, I saw this comic, and it's funny, and this is what's said, but, like, I, I think it generally describes this uh, – this situation where it's just somebody saying I'm mad. Oh, here's a solution. And then they just light the solution on fire. They're like, I don't want a solution. I want to be mad. And I think that's what a lot of uh, these people who are complaining are. They just want to be mad about something. To an extent. Right. I think that's definitely part of the issue, but there's always something to be mad about. That's, that's true. Uh, You know, they gave us a hundred dollar bills in our, our master's boxes and people found a reason to get mad. So, you know, anything is possible. Um, so let's do pick of the week, pick of the week real quick, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Ed, do you have a pick of the week? I do. Uh, I had, I actually had it ready for a while. Uh, so my first pick, I have two actually, um, I'll elaborate shortly. My first one is Aurelia exemplar of justice. This card has completely bottomed out from its pre-order. Um, I think it was pre-ordering around like eight to ten dollars. It kind of reaches peak when uh, the Boros Angels, Boros Midrange decks, uh, when those were much more prominent and standard. Um, people were playing them a lot more. I really was kind of a good finisher. Uh, that being said, um, I feel fairly okay buying it at two point five, but the recent. Uh, there was, I think it was a CFB article where they specifically talked about some of the things that were happening this weekend. One of the things that was mentioned, it might be a judge article. I can't remember my exact source. Uh, they were talking about the Johnny Pride Mate issue. And uh, and the, the case with the Johnny Pride Mate is that it's no longer a May effect. Um, this was brought to light a few weeks ago because that's the way it works on Arena. And now they want to errata the card so it works the same way as it does on Arena. It's no longer, you can no longer choose to miss your Johnny Trigger, whether it be to play around uh, that three mana Wrath that deals, destroys all creatures, toughest four, or playing around Staring Bridge, whatever. Um, it was mentioned in the article because the article very explicitly said that a Johnny Pride Mate will be available in one of our upcoming challenger decks. Um, so from that, you can extrapolate that a giant pride mate really is only slotted into the Boros deck. Um, if the Boros deck does become a challenger deck, then Aurelia is a likely contender to be in there. 
which does make it a little bit rough. Uh, but that being said, I think at $2.5, I'm willing to take the gamble. It's a mythic. It might not show up in there, in there as a two or three of. It might be a one of or something. Um, it feels powerful enough that in the future, this could easily be a $10 mythic again. Um, but that remains to be seen. Uh, I don't think it's wrong to pick up a playset for ten to twelve dollars just to get out of the way right now. In the event that you know you do want in the future, um, in a similar vein, Martial Multitudes was a card that started out very strong at pre-orders. Uh, people are looking at this uh, in a very, very good light. Just there was definitely some success with like the green white tokens deck uh, creating. If we do see uh, very aggressive red decks kind of come forward. Creating a bunch of one one soldiers with lifelink is definitely a good um, it's definitely a good answer to red decks and like these various bant type control decks, whatever, maybe green white tokens as seen their surge. This one I feel like is a little bit more insulated from uh, challenger decks, mainly because green white tokens hasn't quite received the same amount of spotlight that the Boros decks have. Um, and I think again, if it uh, on TG, I see copies as little like under four dollars. Um, I don't think it hurts to buy a place at fifteen fifteen dollars. Get out of the way right now. Um, an event that these these cards do come big, this could easily be like a ten to twelve dollar mythic. Um, and again, because it's more insulated from a challenger deck reprint, it might be a little bit safer if you're trying to go deep on them. All right, Doug. Do you have a pick of the week? I do. Uh... Revelant and Riches has sort of bottomed out at a dollar, and it's starting to climb back up ever so slowly. And it's going to be one of those slow climbs. It's not a card that gets played in a four of a competitive deck, and then it goes from one to five overnight. It is the card that goes from a dollar ten to a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty, etc. And then a month later, you're like, wait, why is this two fifty? And then a month later, you're you're like the my. Yeah, it's a slow climber. Uh, it has gotten a little bit more attention recently because of its EDH interactions with Smothering Tithes, which is another card that I've spoken about already, which I think is very strong. So any deck running that combination of Orzhov colors can have this not uh, unmanageable, not uh, inachievable alternate win condition where you just have these two enchantments out there and just stuff happens and then you win the game. Uh, it doesn't put a little bit of a target on your head, but I mean, it's there. It's something people want to do in casual decks where the format is slower. And so I think you just grab a big old stack of Revelin Riches when you get the chance, just pick them up in trades, throw-ins, etc. And then you just put them in a box for maybe six months to a year and then you see them at threes or fours. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's definitely a card I've thought about more because of Smothering Tithes. Like, I think that it's possible that um, treasure tokens might be the standard going forward. Um, well, they said, like, they said that. Oh, did they? I didn't, Mark, I didn't see that. Mark Rosewater said that the ability would be deciduous in that it is not evergreen. It's not like Flying or Trample where they will use it every set but it is deciduous in that they can come back and bring it to a plane without having it to be uh, specifically dedicated to that plane. They can just be like, eh, we'll make a treasure card for the set because it works. Yeah, um, I, I think that's better than the previous things where they had, like, Tazeret met some, like, Ethereum cells or something, and the cards in Theros meet gold tokens, and they're all functionally the same thing. So well, Gold tokens did not require you to tap them. That is which, correct, but that is, mostly doesn't matter. I, I mostly it doesn't, but I, I'm, I don't know. 
You're you're correct. You are the you're technically correct, which is the best kind of correct, but also it mostly doesn't matter. <laughs> the uh, word you're looking for is pedantic, which you, Doug is yes. exceedingly good at being. The best, only the best. We only have the best on this cast. Uh, so my pick of the week uh, is a card from Standard. It's a card from Ravnica Allegiance. In fact, it is called plaza of harmony and i'm sure that you'll all have to go look up what exactly that does but it's the rare land that cares about guild gates it like gains you some life and makes mana equal to a color that your guild gate you control can make but basically uh this past weekend there was a four color gates deck that top 32 the star city open and i went and looked at tcg player at like the most sold cards recently and I know you're going to be very surprised, but it's a bunch of stupid Guildgate stuff. And by stupid Guildgate stuff, I mean, like, good Guildgate stuff, because it's actually much better than you think it is. So Gates Ablaze, uh, Gatebreaker Ram, uh, the 8-8, whose name I don't remember. Like, Gate those Colossus. are all... Gate yeah, Colossus. Gate, Gate Colossus. Like, that card all was of these my cards, best friend during the pre-release. Yeah, all of these cards are incredibly cheap. Uh, the deck itself is also incredibly cheap. Uh, there's not very many rares or mythics that are necessary. And the the version that did well at the SCG Indianapolis is playing four Hydroid Crassus, which is more than half of the cost of the deck, which means you could just play a different card probably instead, and you'll get most of the same result. Uh, especially if you're just trying to play like a, a you know a super um budget version of this so because it doesn't play only it only plays one breeding pool as the only shock land that's also not really that necessary this deck is incredibly cheap to build uh there's almost no rares in the deck there are very few mythics but the one thing that's going to be the same throughout all of the decks because some of them play four of this some of them play three of this you know there's there's variations here and there every deck plays four plaza of harmony it's a card that you need to have for this deck and they're less than a dollar right now. I could see this being a three to four dollar card, kind of like you know any of the check lands are, because you need to have four copies of this. And you know, one person plays it at FNM, everyone sees how cool it is and how cheap it is to build, and they buy four copies of Plaza Harmony. All of a sudden, this you know it could be a four or five dollar card. So, if I were you, I'd purchase them early. And actually, on Magic Online, it is two dollars and fifty cents, which is more that's than double, indicator. yeah. That's more than double its paper price. Uh, I'm pretty pretty certain that this will be more expensive by the time you even listen to this podcast. That's a good indicator. When something's more expensive on Moto than it is in paper, that's that's a red flag. Well, it's more expensive if it's a if it's a rare. That's that's pretty yeah. telling because if it's, if like it's so pure, yeah. Yeah, mythics are weird because they're worth more money because you need one of each of them to redeem a set. So like yes. bulk mythics are worth like three or four dollars yeah. because yeah. you need them to redeem a whole yeah. set. Yes, that is that is true. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh where can everyone find you? Ed? Uh I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. I'm currently down under in Sydney. I know there's a few people that I look forward to meeting this weekend because we tried before. It'll be nice to meet them in person. And then next week, I will be in Toronto. And Doug, where can everyone find you? 
Uh, you can find me at Brainstorm Brewery, which is uh, the other Magic Finance podcast. Uh, you can find me at the 95 MTG booth. I am working most of the North American and Canadian GPs this year. Uh, so I will also be in Toronto next week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. And that's about it. All right. And my name is Jim Kasai. You can find me at Twitter at PHROSD underscore. You can find my articles usually every other week on Gather. Wow, I almost messed that up. Coolstuffinc.com. And you can find me at this great podcast every week. So have a good evening or good night or good morning, wherever you are. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Have a good night. Good morning, everybody.